Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, we're still getting a flow. Morning is, doing morning podcasts are hard, huh, Pei? Once we get started, we're fine, but like, well, I have to ask you questions because I, I have to make sure you don't fall back asleep, kiddo. Are you ready to read? <laughs> All right, she says medium. This isn't what it looks like. Book series by Pseudonymous Bosch. Book number four, chapter seven. And chapter seven is called Dogs Not Hogs, and we're on page 86. Back on your feet, gents. Don't try. Oh, do not tarry him, ladies. The knight and footmen, the lords and the ladies, in the inter-procession reassembled relatively quickly. Oh, reassembled relatively quickly. Albeit grumbling, grumbling, grumblingly after the robbery, rather as if it had happened before. Cass got the uh, got the sense that the masked woman and her band of thieves regularly set up travelers in the area like bandits who stack who who stacked out stagecoach routes. I think it's supposed to say stocked, but it says stacked in the old west. Miraculously, nobody appeared to have been hurt in the fracas. Cass slipped in among the last of the footmen and was soon following the procession down the road in the direction she hoped of the king's palace and of the jester himself. The trip took hours. The procession became increasingly bedraggled. Sweat trickled down noses and made shirts stick to backs. Mud splattered breeches and filled soldiers' boots. Human and animals alike complained of aches and pains, thirst and hunger. Despite the ghostly state, even Cass was beginning to feel a toll. Eventually, however, the bumpy road gave way to smooth stone, and the wild countryside was replaced by carefully tended gardens. A matching formally overtook the a matching formality overtook the procession. Back stiffen, soldiers fell into stride with each other, flags were held erect. The lords and ladies, or whoever they were in the finer clothing, stopped primping themselves. Even before they saw, Cass knew that they were nearing the palace. Well, the palace was not a white sparkling fairy tale castle on the hill, nor an astier fortress with a moat and a drawbridge. It was nonetheless grand and certainly very impressive to Cass. A vast red brick edifice, it stretched out onto either side of the length of the several of the length of several city blocks and and boasted row after row of white framed windows that blinked in the flickering sunlight of hundreds of eyes and enormous faces. After the procession had passed through the palace's outer gates and into its expansive grounds, some of the soldiers and footmen peeled away, presumably heading for their barracks, while others escorted more important travelers towards the tw- 
towards the twin towers that bus betressed the palace's arched front entrance. Cass shivered, reminding herself that she had nothing to be afraid of except failing her mission. She peered through the double monocle into the courtyard that lay behind, beyond the entrance. A group of dignitaries waited. Could the jester be among them? Woof, 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 ruff, 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 bow, wow, wow, yap, 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 grrr. Cass was about to follow the others past the line of the royal guards into the palace's interior courtyard when she suddenly descended upon a dozen barking beagles. The beagles nipped angrily at her heels, somehow sensing the invisible girl was an interloper, unwelcome on royal grounds. A tired-looking man in leather breeches, their trainer, Cass guessed, trotted up to the beagle. Terrence, Bailey, Hunter, what do you guys, what do you little gets up to? Found a groundhog, have you? Or another patronage fallen? He asked solicitously, almost as if the dogs were his master and not the other way around. No need to fight over, over the spoils. Plenty of delicious treats waiting for you in the kennels. Come on now, quit your barking. The trainer and anyone else around must have looked very odd, and the it must have looked very odd. The beagle circling for no apparent reason, pawing at the air. Her invisibility protected her until now. Cass didn't want to press her luck. Despite dis- desperate, she had to shoo the dogs away from her. A difficult task to perform without any making any noise. Fortunately, the trainer was able to coax them away with a few treats that he had happened to be carrying in his satchel. Unfortunately, by the time all the dogs had been rounded up, the procession had disappeared and the gate was clanging shut. Cass had missed her chance to get into the palace. Trying not to be discouraged, she started walking the perimeter of the royal residence, where she would find the jester. Where would she find the jester? Did he have regular work hours or did he come and go as he pleased? She imagined being a jester was something like a stand-up comedian, but but more mobile, like a walking comedian. She remembered a red and white striped tent. Did he pitch his tent on the royal grounds or did he hide behind the woods somewhere? Being invisible, she figured she wouldn't be able to she wouldn't be too much of a risk climb to climb through an open window, but it was chilly out and every window she saw was shut. <sighs> she was, however, able to look inside of a few windows where the curtains were not drawn. She saw somewhat of the palace rooms and knew that some people, like her antique collecting grandfathers, would have given their right arm to see furnishings inside, but to her, all the rooms looked the same filled with uncomfortable-looking chairs and gold-framed paintings that were either dark or scary or silly and painting uh, or silly and heaven heavenish nowhere nowhere did she see a wiry man wearing a three-point hat with bells after turning a corner she noticed a stairwell on the side of the building walking down a short flight of steps she found a small iron door the first door she'd come across since she uh, first door that she'd come across since the front entrance. She tried the handle. It was locked. As she turned away, the door opened, nearly pushing the ground, pushing her on the ground. Ow! She exclaimed. The sound obscured by the ringing of chains. Recovering from from the blow, Cass decided to see. Cass turned to see an un a, a uniformed soldier dragging a small creature out the door. A monkey. 
Cass assumed at first glance, scowling at the man in a dark cloak presented presented from the doorway. Let him sleep in the kennels. If he will not speak, he is no better than a dog. A cloaked man spit on the creature's back and then slammed the door before Cass could slip inside. Dismayed, she looked down at the whimpering creature at her feet. Come on, you heard the master, the soldier tugging on his collar. The kennel's for you. The creature had exceptionally large eyes, and to Cash's shock, she found that they were staring directly at her. He could see her. But the greater shock was that she knew those eyes very well. Mr. Cabbage Face. She cried out before Mr. Cabbage Face, she cried out before thinking better of it. The creature looked at her oddly, as if he didn't quite understand. But she was certain of it, although he was even shorter, if that was possible, than when she'd seen him. Although there were fewer folds in his leathery skin and the creature in front of her was none other than a younger incarnation of her long-lost friend, the homunculus. She would recognize him anywhere, she thought. Those huge hands for grabbing fistfuls of meat, those, the huge nose for sniffing out roasts and sweets, the little torso with the big belly for filling with meal after meal. The homunculus was literally one of a kind. The reason he could see her, she suspected, was he was not entirely mortal. The soldier drew his sword. Who's there? How awful to see her friend in chains. She's going... uh, How awful to see her friend in chains. How was she going to free him? That was all she could think of. Cass put her fingers to her lips. The homunculus nodded slightly. He wouldn't give her away. Shrugging his shoulders, the shrugging his shoulders, the soldier sheathed his sword. Guess that's blasted ringing in my ears again. He gave the homunculus a tug. Let's go, dog. The homunculus grunted in complaint, but started shuffling after him, chancing only a quick backward glance at Cass. What is the homunculus doing at the palace, she wondered, silently following, and why is he being dragged to the kennels? She remembered the legend of Cabbage Face. In a story of the homunculus's creator, Lord Pharaoh brings the homunculus to an audience with the king. When the homunculus won't perform on command, Lord Pharaoh grows angry and punishes him by sending him outside to sleep in the mud with the hogs. Was it possible that she was witnessing a real-life, in-real-life play of events that she'd previously read about? In that case, Cass realized with the chill the cloaked men saw in the doorway must have been the dreaded Lord Pharaoh and the brilliant but evil alchemist who was not only the father of the homunculus, but the, also the father founder of the Midnight Sun. As for the hogs, the writer of this story obviously has for, has gotten that part wrong. Hogs, not dogs. Oh, sleep with the hogs. That makes sense. Interesting. All right, next chapter.